The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the program. Um, we have to start out with a conversation that I want to have with you, the listener. Um, I've got some amazing things, some personal changes that are coming that are going to be really great for the Adrian Slade household. But that being the case, there's also going to be some changes to the podcast. And unfortunately, when one change happens, a chain reaction causes another change to, act, to happen. Um, the podcast may be going on hiatus, depending on how technical terms can work. Um, one, of the, one of the consequences of this change that we're really torn up about, that we're really sad about, that we're going to miss is we will no longer be broadcasting on Mojo 5.0. And it has nothing to do with Mojo 5.0 as a platform. Ron Phillips, Beth Knott, Brad Staggs, Handicap Jeff, uh, Dominic Izzo, even when Matt Locke was there, and Tom. The Mojo 5.0 family has been an excellent family. We're coming up on the year anniversary of the death of Doc Thompson who was instrumental in kicking off Mojo 5.0. This was his platform. He actually gave me the opportunity, he and Ron, very early on to be a part of this, uh, this organization uh, in its very infant stage. And they were very supportive of the program. So I'm, I'm in, I have a huge debt of gratitude to Mojo 5.0 and I have spoken to them and they've actually told me that um, that we uh, could return if things change down the road. So that's one of the changes that are hap that's happening. The main issue is flexibility and deadlines. So unfortunately, we may not have the flexibility that we had in the past to produce a full one hour show. Show may be shorter. It may turn out to be not as frequent, or it may be you know thirty minute segments. If you've seen, if you've listened to some of the quick rants that we've done recently, that was kind of a a trial thing. You know, it gives us the ability to be able to produce on the fly and get content out, especially when it comes to matters of uh, you know timing matters of urgency, but with the Mojo 5.0 platform, they require the full hour and we go to broadcast on a Wednesday evening. So getting all that together in the, uh, in the sh short amount of time that I have available to me is next to impossible. And commitment to me is a big deal. And I don't want to let that commitment down with Mojo 5.0. So at this point, it seems like it's a, a bittersweet option for us to do is to step away, go strictly podcast, and this will give us the flexibility to record 
and produce throughout the week when we can. You know, studio time is of the essence and it's very, <laughs> very uh, scarce resource. So being able to have that time, I want to be able to put out the best quality show for you, the listener, but I also don't want to shortchange people that we've made commitments with, such as Mojo Five O. So unfortunately, Mojo Five O is going to be discontinuing its relationship with uh, with us um, as of this past Wednesday. This will be the last broadcast, and I know that they're going to do well. They have great content. They've got great shows. They've got a great vision, and they're moving ahead. But I wanted you guys to know that there may be changes to the podcast. It may be shorter. It may not be always released on a Saturday. Um, I'm not even sure if we're going to be able to put out one the following week, depending on how things go. Uh, but, you know, keep us in prayer. This is These are things that are very necessary to uh, my personal life. And things are moving in a very good direction, but they're going to change the ability it's going to change the ability to record as we've done for the past year or so. So just giving you a heads up, you guys have been awesome. You've given me an opportunity to be a voice and you've actually listened to me on a regular basis where <laughs> you don't know me from Adam. You know, I mean, I, I try to be as real and as honest as I am. If you met me in person, this is exactly the way I am. I don't put on a show. This isn't some sort of uh, ego boost. I'm not looking to be hugely famous. This is my love of radio broadcasting that I've grown up on and off with over the years. I did music radio. I did radio with, uh, with alternative rock. And I never got an opportunity to step out into the talk land. And with the advent of podcasting, this has given me the opportunity to speak my mind on issues that I really feel, you know, very dear and near to my heart. So I want to thank you for being a listener and just wanted to keep you in the loop as to some of the changes that are coming. So let's get on with the program. This is from the Daily Mail. Exclusive secret document proves Iran was building a nuclear weapon as far back as 2002 even while they claimed the technology was only for peaceful purposes. A never-before-seen secret Iranian government document proves the regime was trying to build a nuclear weapon as far back as 2002. It shows scientists outlining their proposals for a warhead, which are given the green light by Tehran's top nuclear official. The document was seized as part of a raid by the Israeli intelligence agents on a compound in Tehran back in 2018 and is now being made exclusively worldwide as revealed to the Mail Online. The damning nuclear blueprint forms the centerpiece of a soon-to-be-published report by Friends of Israel's Initiative, the FOII, a group of foreign policy experts, including several former presidents and prime ministers. As part of a fact-finding mission to the country, uh, led by Canada's former foreign minister, John Bard, they were given exclusive access to the hall of documents stashed in Tehran's hangar. This included a piece of paper dated November 28, 2002, which they say is from a senior Iranian official requesting the parameters of a warhead 
fitted on a missile. Scribbled in the top left corner is a note from Mashin Fakhridza, Iran's nuclear science uh, chief, who writes, quote, in the name of God right now in the treatment process, please archive the original script of the document. So they've been planning this for quite some time. And nothing, even a stupid deal with the Obama administration, giving them pallets of cash, pretending that they're going to hold off on creating nuclear weapons. Nothing was going to stop them. They've been on this mission for a long time. The FOII report claims this proves the military dimension of the Iran's nuclear project, despite the regime claiming its program did not go beyond feasible studies. The chief uh, nuclear engineer from Iran is also pictured meeting with Iran's supreme leader, (laughs) Khomeini, highlighting the extent of his power. After being, quote, briefed exclusively and extensively by Israeli security officials on the contents of the Iranian archives, the authors of the FOII report write that Iran intended to become a fully operational nuclear state. They claim that these documents undermine the basis of the 2015 nuclear deal brokered between Iran and the U.S., U.K., France, Germany, Russia, and China. Prior to signing the agreement, formerly known as he joint as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the International Atomic Energy Agency reported it had not found, quote, credible indications of the diversion of nuclear material in connection with the possible military dimensions to Iran's nuclear program. But this was rubbished in an explosive press conference by Israel's uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu whose agents launched a daring raid on Tehran on the compound they suspected of hiding the nuclear plans. In January of 2018, a successful extracted haul of thousands of files from metal safes, which Netanyahu said proved Iran had deceived Barack Obama on the extent of its nuclear program. In 2015, the nuclear deal, which lifted sanctions on Iran, who in turn vowed to limit its nuclear activities and the amount of enriched uranium it stockpiled. But after Donald Trump unilaterally pulled out of the 2018 deal, um, or the deal in 2018, the deal now appears to be unraveling. Earlier in the week, the UK, France, and Germany said that they were triggering the agreement's dispute mechanism after accusing Iran of violating the terms of the account. Iran batted back the allegation, said that the trio were in the pocket of the US president. In an exclusive interview with the Mail Online, chief author of the report, Mr. Baird, who steered Canada's foreign policy from 2011 to 2015, said that Iran was the, quote, biggest terrorist organization in the world. He also said that in light of Donald Trump's isolationism and clarity over Brexit, Boris Johnson is the best place to be the next, quote, leader of the free world and spearheaded the Western uh, pushback against Iran. Mr. Baird said, I cannot tell you how strongly I feel that. This is a moment for Boris Johnson to lead the free world. Angela Merkel has become leader of the free world 10 years ago. I think Boris has the capacity to provide the Western leadership the world needs. Mr. Baird, who sensationally closed down the Canadian embassy in Tehran in 2012 and expelled Iranian diplomats from his country, urged the UK Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab to consider the safety of his ambassador, Rob McGair, who was temporarily arrested and whose effigy was burned in the street. He said, I would say to him, do you feel confident that your diplomats are safe in Tehran with this regime? We look at the situation after they ransacked your mission and came to the conclusion, absolutely not. When they're burning an effigy, 
and they regularly ransack diplomatic compounds. I just don't think that you can trust these people to protect diplomats. Mr. Baird was accompanied on the fact-finding mission to Israel by ex-Italian Foreign Minister Gualo Terzai and former UK gov uh, government counterterrorism advisor and Army Colonel Richard Kemp and Spain's former National Security Advisor Rafael Baradi. The FOII is chaired by former Prime Minister of uh, Canada, the Steve, uh, Stephen Harper, and boast members including President of Spain, Jose Anzar, former president uh, or former prime minister of Australia, John Howard, and former president of Colombia, Andres Pastrana. So looks like Iran was going about its business, building its nuclear program, and we got this fake deal. I don't know what it is with the Obama administration, John Kerry, what their deal is with Iran, what the news media what their deal is, why Iran is the protected source. Is it because they hate America? It's never made sense to me that these people would go so far to embolden a country that hates our country and wants to destroy us. Why is that the case? I mean, I guess it's good that we have Donald Trump because he has actually looked at it from an American first perspective and said, this is, this is not good for America. We cannot allow them to go this route. And Benjamin Netanyahu pulled the pants down with the Mossad, pulling the pants down of Iran by rolling in in the cover of darkness, taking all that intel, all those nuclear secrets, pulling it out of Iran, rolling it up on the world stage last year and just showing it to the world. And now we're learning the more we dig into these documents that they've been operating this way for longer than we thought, going back to 2002. That's under George W. Bush. So that's also around the time that we ended up having Maliki put in Iraq and over time Iraq was given over to Iran. So I think we're moving in a better direction, but the pressure needs to be placed on Iran. Sanctions need to be put back in because their economy is unstable and so is the, the riots in their country. And maybe the combination of the two will collapse the, you know, the Khomeini, Khomeini regime and allow for new leadership and bring in a new era that we haven't seen since 1979 in Iran. So the Virginia gun rally happened on MLK Day and thousands and thousands descended on Richmond. And let's go through the timeline of events Ralph Northam, Northam, the governor, blackface, Mr. Coon Man, um, he decided to put out an emergency, a state of emergency, because he thought white nationalists and white supremacists were going to show up. We only heard of possibly three. One of them was Canadian, I think. <laughs> so David Hogg, the Greta Thunberg of gun control, the, the kitty human shield, he decided to put this video out first. The Second Amendment is being used as a right to oppress our First Amendment as children to say that we should be protected, not guns. So what I'm going to ask you to do is record a video with the hashtag I stand with Virginia, expressing your support for common sense gun laws in the state of Virginia, because right now we can't show up because the Second Amendment is being used to actively threaten to kill people, including children. So record your video with hashtag I stand with Virginia for why you support gun violence prevention legislation in the state of Virginia. 
Thank you, and f*** Nazis. Well, guess what there, David Hogg? Lots of videos were made right there on the premises. Let's listen to this black Second Amendment advocate. Okay, why am I out here? Basically, I'm out here because I got roped into it by the group of guys you see standing to my right. But the main, re the real reason I'm out here is I do not support in any way, shape, or form Governor Northam's and the Democrats' gun control. What I also don't support is the fact that every news piece you've seen on this this weekend, they've always brought up the issue of race, as though it's nothing but white rednecks and hillbillies out here who care for the Second Amendment, when actually black Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Americans in general Americans. care about the Second Amendment. I work at a gun store part-time, and I can't tell you the number of customers I see of all races, all colors, all creeds who care about the Second Amendment and who just want to peaceably live their lives, enjoy their rights, and the Second Amendment. So that's why I'm out here. And main, big media, mainstream media be damned. If you take a good look at me, you can see I'm a black American, and all I'm out here for is to enjoy my Second Amendment rights. That's why I'm here. Great. And what, tell us about what do you think about the cordoning off that's going on out here uh, of, of the uh, capital why, area? You know what? It's great. What we ought to do is everybody just walk up with master locks, put master locks on the gates, and lock that bastard in. <laughs> that's what, no, to be quite honest, what I, <laughs> shut up. What I honestly think about it is, it's wrong. This is our capital. We pay for these grounds. This is not some place for the king to hold up in. This is our capital. This is our state. We have the right to petition for redress of our, well, our government of our grievances. And our grievance today is their treatment of us and the Second Amendment. So the fact that he's got to hide behind fences like he's the king in Braveheart, I think is complete and utter garbage. Now, there was an idiot that tried to stir the pot, and they put him in his place. Say that again? You want to start the revolution today? Heck yeah. You want to hop those fences and kill that guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, he's stirring stuff up. You're making a speech you about people rising up. Are you conservative? I'm libertarian. You're libertarian? Okay. So, if we go libertarian, and that is not how we are. Tell me what you think about what this guy's doing. I think what that guy just said was absurd. We don't believe in going and killing people. This is a peaceful rally. We're here to stand with the people. I agree, sir. I'm here. Peacefully. You said something so extreme. No, no, sir. And I'm that's exactly what the left I'm trying wants. to call him out on what he was trying to stir up. No, I'm not stirring trying to stir up, up anything. He, you he did. did. I wasn't trying to stir up anything. Well, what, what the? Yeah, f hey, you, you what the? F was that shit about people. going to killing people? What the f was that? Look, I'm Hawk, asking you a look, question. Look, we know where you're about. You're infiltrator. Get the. F out. They still tried to portray it as a bunch of old white guys showed up. Listen to this black female gun supporting this constitutional uh, supporting individual. Why do you think it's important for women to exercise the Second Amendment, to have the Second Amendment right? Well, I think it's definitely very important, especially for women, because um, it keeps us safe. I, I think that's fundamental when it comes to that. Um, I feel safe, especially with guns. So, yeah. Are you a citizen of Virginia? Yes, yes, yeah. I am. So what do you think about the laws that Governor Northam is trying to instate on the citizens here, red flag gun laws, trying to take away assault-style weapons? What do you think about uh, everything that he's trying to institute? 
Yeah, I was just talking about my friends um, earlier about this. Um, I think it just starts small. And, like, if we allow this to keep happening, it will progress and progress to the point where um, we won't have our Second Amendment rights and we'll, we'll be infringed when it comes to the government. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, one last question for you. What is the message that you're hoping to get across to the rest of America today? Um, I would probably say to not be afraid to express your rights. Um, I know in this political environment, it's definitely hard to voice our opinion nowadays, but um, I mean, it's our, it's our rights, um, so just express it. And um, of course, be positive when it comes to it. And every voice is making a difference. So just always think of that. So yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Listen to the sheriff on enforcement of gun laws. Or city or Commonwealth still be if the bills go through as proposed, they will not be enforced. They're unconstitutional. We support to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Virginia, and that's what we'll do. Outstanding. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Those sheriffs aren't having this. They will deputize their entire community to make sure that people can carry legally because that's how much they want to stand for the Constitution. It's amazing. They will deputize everybody. And more power to him on that. I say go for it. Here's the great part of it all. 22,000 people descended on Richmond. Zero arrest. No incidents. Even with an idiot that we played earlier who was saying, oh, we need to start some. No, no. Everybody kept everyone in check. There was minimal police presence because there was tons of individuals who were armed. And guess what? They cleaned up after themselves. My father was actually there and he said, Anytime some of those stickers, you know, the guns save lives, orange stickers came off and blew off in the street, people picked them up and put them in the trash. They left the place better than it was when they got there. So the Virginia rally was a success for constitutionalists. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. So let's look at the Democrat campaign uh, trail. The Democrat campaign nomination is underway. They're coming up on Iowa. And look at some of the craziness that's starting to happen. You just knew it was going to be a matter of time. Michael Graham, he addressed a concern. He is with the uh, Boston Herald, I believe. And he has a little issue with Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, uh, let's find this. Here we go. <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing article um, where he doesn't have good things to say about Elizabeth Warren. In fact, he's calling her a liar. Yeah, Michael Graham says, tell me Bernie Sanders is crazy and I'm all in. Tell me he's unapologetic socialist who would happily honeymoon again in the gulag ridden Soviet Union. And I'd say, you betcha. But tell me. Bernie's a sexist liar? Sorry, you lost me. Now, unfortunately, Michael Graham didn't go back and read that, that beautifully written piece of, of, of thought-provoking insight that Bernie had back in the 70s where he said women actually dream of being raped. But regardless of that, he doesn't think Bernie's a sexist liar. And going back to the article, particularly if the person doing the telling is Elizabeth Warren. No, Bernie Sanders isn't a sexist. He spent decades touting girl power and pushing the Equal Rights Amendment. It's a 70s thing. You can look it up. It's a ludicrous claim. 
And no, Bernie Sanders isn't a liar, at least not outside the accepted parameters of American politics. Sanders doesn't even lie about the stuff he should lie about, like his gazillion dollar middle class tax hiking union health paying plan for Medicare for all. A guy who will admit out loud in public that he wants to give the Boston Marathon bomber the right to vote will admit anything. Now compare Bernie's unvarnished truth-telling to Elizabeth Warren's record. According to Elizabeth Warren's past statements, she's a Native American who was fired for being pregnant and only sent her children to public schools. According to the facts, all of those claims are false. So if you give me a he-said-she-said choice between Sanders and Warren, it's a no-brainer, so obvious, even a clueless klutz can see it. Speaking of Michael Moore, Elizabeth and Bernie have appeared in my films, the movie maker tweeted. I love them both. Why Elizabeth chose to stick a knife in Bernie's back is beyond me. At a time when job number one is to remove Trump, how did this help? Why did Warren do it? Simple, because she's losing. Having tried to run as a smart candidate, the energetic candidate, the consensus candidate, the fighting candidate, Warren has fallen back to the last refuge of progressive scoundrel, identity politics. Look, Look at the men on the stage, Warren said Tuesday night. Collectively, they have lost 10 elections. The only people on this stage who have won every single election that they've ever been in are the women, Amy Klobuchar and me. Warren's campaign was devoted from or devolved from, I've got a plan for that to girls rule, boys drool. A base state, a, a base state aside, what's the deal with Massachusetts Democrats using their political victories in Massachusetts as proof that they are tough campaigners who can be written off. First, it was Liz Warren's upset victory for the U.S. Senate, and now Patrick Duvall's Nobody Expected Me to Win. Wow, who knew all these years that Massachusetts was a bastion of red state republicanism? Exactly. She's touting, oh, I can win. Well, you won in the most Democrat state, save California. Democrats bragging about winning Massachusetts sound like Kim Jong-un celebrating his long-shot victory in the Supreme People's Assembly. For Elizabeth Warren, this is just another example of fundamental inauthenticity of her presidential bid. Over the summer, she was touting Medicare for all as a matter of political life or death. Tuesday, she treated it like a, a recently dumped boyfriend, refusing to even say the single phrase one time, check the transcript. She did, however, say she would build on the Affordable Care Act. No wonder progressives don't believe she'll really fight for a single-payer system or the Green New Deal or that Bernie Sanders said a woman couldn't win. Now, let me tell you about this. this I, the timeline of events on this was really interesting to me. First off, this gets floated out in CNN where Bernie Sanders apparently met with Elizabeth Warren and he said, a woman cannot win. Oh, he's a chauvinist. He's a sexist. Well, that was CNN floating it out. And it was anonymous sources that CNN referenced. So then what happens next? So then they get into the debate. It gets brought up on Bernie. And Bernie says, no, I never said that. They said, well, what do you think about that, Elizabeth Warren? She said, I think a woman can win. And there was no pushback by CNN to go, yeah, but what about, did he say that a woman cannot win? Did he specifically say that you can't win because you're a woman? No, that didn't get brought up. You know why? Because CNN's in on it. CNN wants Elizabeth Warren to win. And then what happens next? Suddenly, at the end of the debate, 
she comes running over to Bernie and, and screaming, why did you call me a liar on national TV? Thinking the mics are off. Oh, there was a hot mic that recorded the entire exchange. Wow. And Bernie's like, we're not going to do this right now. We're not going to talk about this right now. This is not the time. Does anyone think that CNN whispered in the ear monitor, hey, you know, the producer, hey, Warren, Elizabeth Warren, why don't you go talk to, to, to Bernie and ask why he called you a liar on national TV? She goes running over there. They crank up the mics and they hit record. All a setup. All designed to focus the targets on Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders is actually, you know, a lot of these senators are being pulled from the campaign trail right now because of impeachment, which Mitch McConnell, that's his modus operandi. He's like, okay, you guys want this sham impeachment? We're going to go ahead and hear the trial. And what does that mean? That means you can't go campaign. Only Bernie, slick old Bernie, decided he's going to leave the campaign trail and hand it over to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the lady who wants power, which we'll play that clip here in a moment. But Bernie Sanders has her stumping for him. So she's got energy with these nincompoops and these morons and idiots out there who love democratic socialism. She's going to be able to gin up their base while the rest of them are going to be stuck in the chamber, not being able to campaign. But the attacks are starting to go down. I mean, this is the Boston Herald. Where is Boston located? <laughs> in the state that has dealt with Elizabeth Warren's fake Indian powwow chow liawatha Focahontas uh, deal for ages. So, <laughs> pretty amazing. Now, Axios has something that was pretty amazing, and it shows the split and the sides in the Democrat Party, where they're pointing. Hillary Clinton on Bernie Sanders. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. Hillary Clinton makes her feelings clear about Senator Bernie Sanders in a new documentary about her career, saying that nobody likes him and nobody wants to work with him. And that's from The Hollywood Reporter, driving the news in an interview with the outlet about Hulu's forthcoming Hillary documentary. Remember, we said that what they do on the left, if they can't win, they have to cosplay it in the fictional realm of entertainment. So the former Secretary of State didn't let up about her 2016 primary opponent refusing to commit to endorse and campaign for the Vermont senator should he win the Democrat nomination this cycle. She goes even further in the documentary claiming that Sanders got nothing done and calling him a career politician. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad that people got sucked into it, she said, on possibly endorsing Sanders, quote, I'm not going to go there yet. We're still in a very vigorous primary season. I will say, however, that it's not only him, it's the culture around him. It's his leadership team. It's his prominent supporters. It's his online Bernie bros and their relentless attacks on lots of his competitors, particularly the women. Oh, there's the misogyny again, because that's going to keep popping up. That's what they do on the left. When they want to snipe you, they will gin together. It's the beauty of the Democrats that the Republicans can never seem to gra grab onto. The Republican Party, anytime there's rising stars, rising news outlets, rising individuals that may speak at CPAC, 
they're all in it for themselves because individual liberty is what we all base our our freedom on. That's what we base our ideology on. But it's almost like those bands back in the music scene back in the day where, you know, you're playing, you're doing successful uh, work, you're, you're steadily building your fan base out of the blue. There comes this nifty new band. Uh, you know, maybe they're like the pop punk band that comes out and they're doing the, the cool little deal. And all of a sudden they're getting attention from a couple of managers, possibly a record label contacted them and said, hey, we may come down and take a look at you guys. Next thing you know, they are the cat's meow. Everybody's blowing smoke up their ass. And then they're trying to walk around like, look at me. I'm the big man on campus. And the next thing you know, all that support goes away. They get deflated and it's on to the next one. Same thing happens in politics. And you have you know, a rising show, a rising podcast, a rising uh, star in the community, somebody who's been placed on a pedestal because of their views and, and they may have had a viral video or whatever the case may be. They've got a network that is doing quite well. Next thing you know, they end up focusing on them and it's not for the cause. Now, the left doesn't do that. The left galvanizes together. They unite together to fight anyone. And, if, and it's because their ideology must be implemented. And so people will suck up their pride and team up with other people. Everyone will gin together with Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Hillary Clinton, and they will place an offensive on somebody who might be a stumbling block for the ideology. Now, Bernie Sanders is pure ideology. His, his uh, campaign staff are talking about implementing gulags and and, and re-education camp. So he believes the crap he's peddling on democratic socialism, which will lead to communism. Now, they don't want that placed out in the public realm. So they have to snipe Bernie Sanders, remove him from that scene so that they can go back to pretending to be moderates under the cover of darkness to where when they get into power, they do like they did in Virginia and they just automatically start implementing unconstitutional measures and things that go against liberty and freedom because now they're in power and what are you going to do about it, right? So keep an eye on all this. Bernie Sanders is under attack because he is the lead guy. He's the one at the forefront. And um, yeah, he's going to be the one that's going to be attacked the most because his followers are ardent followers of him. They will go wherever he goes. So you got everybody dogpiling on Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren uh, getting together with Amy Klobuchar, and you got Hillary Clinton throwing him under the bus. And of course, the impeachment trial is calling all the senators who are running for the presidency on the Democrat side to have to show up in the chambers and be present for the stupid impeachment trial. So Bernie Sanders has his surrogate going out on the road, the brilliant Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she actually lets the cat out of the bag about what their real intentions are towards corporations. It's about a, about a power grab. Who didn't know? Yeah, all about grappling power away. And uh, she makes some stupid gaffes. So let's listen to a little bit of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez oh, and her mind-numbingly dumb, vapid takes. And... Also, the fact that she tells everybody, hey, we, we don't have the power. We want the power and we're going to take it from corporations. Yeah, listen to this idiot. And to be ethical, if you're a billionaire today, 
the thing that you need to do is give up control mm. and power. So I don't want your money as much as we want your power. Mm. The people, not me. That's going to get cut and clipped. Now, of course, we know she herself doesn't mean she wants control personally, but she wants her party to have control. She's saying she wants to do it for the people. But no, really, she wants those who want government to oversee everything to have the control. Because ultimately, if the government is the people and you give them free reign to make the decisions on your rights because you don't believe in natural rights and you want the Constitution to be inverted in such a manner that rights are derived from the government, well, then who's getting the power? The government is. And the government wouldn't be for the people because the government is granting the rights to the people. We are supposed to be free individuals who are granting the necessary evil of a government, that we allow a government to be in place because it answers to us. But if the government is the one divvying out the freedom, who does the answering? We do, to the government, to ask and receive our freedoms. That's why our freedoms come from God. That's why they are natural rights. And that's why the limitations in the Constitution are on the government to not step all across those lines. And so we watch the craziness that happens in Virginia where those that insulate themselves in power, the governor, the state legislature, they will just cram all this crap through regardless of what you believe. And when you go out there to stand up for it, the media is going to lie about it and say it's a bunch of white nationalists. And, and that's what you get. You get this false narrative. Now, I think the interesting thing about AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is how does she sound any different than these field officers that are working for the Bernie campaign? It's all about taking the power away from, you know, the rich. And, and they go a step further because they have this weird love of gulags. It's like the gulags, Soviet's friendliest hometown. I don't know. They think it's like some sandals resort. But listen to this, this guy, Martin, who is a Bernie Sanders field office uh, organizer. This is from James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Guillotine the rich. I always said, you know, I'm a communist. I'm ready to start tearing bricks up and start fighting. I'm not. I'm no, no cop, bro. I'm, I'm, I'll start up. I'll start up get arms. I want to learn how to shoot and go train. I'm ready for the revolution, bro. Right. Guillotine the rich. So, do we just see? Do we just dissolve the Senate, House of Representatives, branch, and have somebody like Bernie Sanders and a cabinet of people make all the decisions for the climate? I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. What yeah. will help is when we send all the Republicans to the re-education. <laughs> Can you imagine Mitch McConnell? Oh God, he wouldn't survive. Lindsey Graham. Schools are founded as re-education. Right. The first gulag that was open, have you heard about the Bellamore Canal? People came from America to work in the Bellamore Canal for the Soviet project, for the communist project. Wow. And the gulags became a lot more political as they went on. It was a tool. It's like a boogeyman. 
You know what? We have more people in prison in this country right now than Russia did at the height of the Gulag. We do. It's a, that's enough. That's essentially. I only learned this shit in college when I started studying the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was not horrible. No. It wasn't. I mean, for women's rights, the Soviet Union is, I think, the most progressive place to date in the world. They leave it to the Soviets to make the most badass, most effective gun in the world. Engineering, great. The destruction, the destroyer of imperialism and colonization. I mean, everywhere. That's why I want to get a tattooed on me. That's Martin Weisberger, or Weisgerber. He is actually somebody who works for the Bernie Sanders campaign down in South Carolina. Well, <laughs> that's, it's funny because people will say, well, that's just one guy, you know, maybe he's got a weird issue and, you know, it's a one-off. No, this is, this is the prevailing thought pattern of everybody that has been caught who works for the Bernie Sanders campaign. They have this unhealthy love of gulags. Gulags are not some sort of work release program, some sort of summer camp. I mean, and listen to how he goes on about studying the Soviet Union in college. The guy's obviously been indoctrinated, and that's what they're talking about. They have this idea of free college is code word for re-education camps. We're going to make re-education camps because we don't want you to be too Nazi if you were ever Nazi, which no one was. We want to re-educate you and maybe some of the MAGA crowd can't be re-educated is their assertion, but they're going to try. And they think if Bernie Sanders gets in, they're going to guillotine the rich. Huh? So they're going after the power of the rich, put them in gulags so they can break stones and feel how it is to work like the working class. What was that taking power away from corporations? AOC just said that. And this isn't a one-off with, uh, Martin Weisgerber, because this other guy, Kyle Jurek, who was Bernie Sanders' campaign uh, person on the ground in Iowa, he says the same stuff. They're all about re-education, which that's why they're, I mean, that's what college is. College is the re-education camps of America, the indoctrination centers. What used to be higher education, you're now paying you know, 20, 30, 100,000. Maybe there's one idiot online who was complaining about how she's got a $600,000 loan for re-education through the college system. And we're like, wow, that's just, first off, stupid money management. But it's also, uh, you paid to be indoctrinated? You paid to be stuck in a safe space? You paid to be eliminated from critical thought and hearing opposing views? And you paid to be lavished with how great the Soviet Union is, how great communism is, how great democratic socialism is. So let's listen to Kyle Jurek, the other campaign official from the Bernie Sanders campaign. And he's out in Iowa. And oddly enough, he sounds almost identical to Martin Weisgerber. And this, of course, again, from Project Veritas, James O'Keefe and the gang really doing a bang up job and doing the work that Andrew Breitbart used to do. So if Trump gets reelected, what? Cities burn. You didn't think that some of these like mega people could even be re-educated. 
I mean, we gotta try. I mean, like, so, like, in Nazi Germany, after the fall of the Nazi party, there was a ton of the populace that was Nazified. And, like, Germany had to spend billions of dollars re educating people to not be Nazis. Like, we're probably gonna have to do the same thing here. And that's kind of what Bernie's like, whole thing like, hey, free education for everybody, because we're going to have to teach you not to be a Nazi. There's a reason Joseph Stalin had gulags, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, gulags were a lot better than, like, what, like, the CIA has told us that they were. Like, people were actually paid a living wage in gulags. They had conjugal visits in gulags. Gulags were actually meant for, like, re-education. The greatest way to break a billionaire of their, like, Privilege and their idea that they're superior. Go out and break rocks for 12 hours a day. You're now a working class person, and you're gonna learn what that means. If your speech is calling for the elimination of people based on race or gender or uh, uh, religious, uh, like, for whatever reason, like, things that people can't change, then you should expect a f***ing violent reaction. Mm-hmm. And you deserve a violent reaction. Be ready to be in Milwaukee for the DNC Commission. We're going to make 1978 look like a f***ing Girl Scout f***ing Those cops are going to be the ones that are getting f***ing beaten in Milwaukee. Again, with the violent rhetoric, with the, we gotta get the rich. And the gulags are such a great place. I I don't understand where the gulag thing came into play. But you know what? We're not dealing with rocket scientists here. We're not dealing with, you know, quantum physicists here. We're dealing with idiots. It's 1968, you moron! Not 1978! If you want to go back to talking about the violence that happened in the political era in election time, it wasn't 1978. Maybe you were talking about a dust up at a gas line because of Jimmy Carter. No, it's 1968. Anyways, I just had to get that out. What an idiot. I mean, so that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with morons who have been brainwashed through indoctrination, who think that there's going to be some sort of collectivization of government and that the people at the top of the collectivization chain aren't going to take advantage of that. No, they're not going to use their influence to buy off others like Elizabeth Warren and and Bernie Sanders have done behind the scenes. They're not going to subscribe to their own BS, but you think they will. And you think that it's going to be this kumbaya collective that's going to divvy out the free college, the free Medicare for all, the universal basic income, and everyone's going to live in harmony. Unless you like Donald Trump, you're going to be stuck in a re-education gulag until you do as they demand. But the violence from these people doesn't stop there. And remember, James Hodgkinson, the guy who shot up the congressional baseball field, who almost killed Steve Scalise, who injured Rand Paul and various others, who was neutralized by somebody, was somebody who worked for the Bernie Sam Sanders campaign as well. And his issue was health care. So people say, ah, that's just a one-off. A guy snapped, he was a loose cannon. 
Hmm, listen to this. Man stabs, kills pro-Trump boss, drapes American flag over him, deputies say. This is in Orlando. And this was just a couple of days ago. Mason Trevor Tony faces murder charges in the death of William Knight. He fatally stabbed his boss, who was a proud and outspoken American and pro-Donald Trump supporter, according to Orange County Sheriff's arrest affidavit. Mason Trevor Tony, 28, was arrested on murder charges of his boss, William Knight, 28. The fatal stabbing was reported around 1045. Uh, according to the arrest affidavit, 9-11 caller reported that his co-worker identified as Tony stabbed and killed their boss. Deputies said they found Knight dead next to an excavator and a brand new American flag over the side of his body. Witnesses said Tony was spotted carrying a backpack, which likely was carrying the flag, according to the affidavit. Witnesses said Tony and Knight were friends outside of the workplace, but Knight picked up Tony earlier in the day, and witnesses said that Tony and Knight got into an argument, possibly over their opposing views of U.S. government. According to the affidavit, Tony is outspoken in his beliefs and said the government was out to get him. This... And there's a GoFundMe page, by the way. You can actually go help out um, this uh, individual's family, William Stevens Knight, 6,423, um, because he was the one who was murdered. You can help them out. But this kind of political division leads to this. And when you have people actively asking for violence and gulags from the Bernie Sanders campaign, how can one not shrug that off, especially if it's from multiple campaign workers? You have to take this stuff seriously. You have to realize this is the fight that we're in. We're in people that are so ideologically dead set on fundamentally changing this country that they will do whatever it takes, including guillotining the rich, supporting communism, and gulags. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Farewell to my Mojo 5 family. I'm going to miss you guys. I enjoyed being on this platform. I love you guys. And hopefully maybe sometime down the road, should circumstances change, I can return. Um, until then, the podcast will possibly go on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart. And you can also check out the Roku channel in your streaming store. Until next time, I'm Adrian Slade. God bless. We'll see you next time around. Bye.